Thanks for tuning in to listen to this week's Torah study class. Stay tuned after the Torah study for details on how to stay in touch with this ministry and keep up with all of our content. I hope you enjoy the study. Shalom, everybody. We are back. This is the survey of the scriptures. We are in Shemot, Exodus, and we left off in chapter 12, but we got to this verse last week. When you circumcise him, then shall he eat thereof. A sojourner shall not eat thereof. Uh, so basically, let all his males be circumcised and then let him come near to keep it. We talked about that. Of course, this is in regard to Passover. So when God set down the Passover for Israel that night in the Exodus, before the death angel came, before the destroyer came, uh, <clears throat> the uh, God told them that everybody had to be circumcised in order to keep the Passover. Now, we have hindsight to look back at, and we have a huge transition. We actually, we have two huge transitions. We have a transition from the wilderness to, to Israel. And then we have a transition from Israel to Messiah. All right. And so the point being is that the Passover had to be kept in the land, in specifically in Jerusalem. And, um, and yes, there was a mandate that everybody who came to Jerusalem for Passover to partake of the Passover meal, the Passover lamb, they had to be circumcised. All right. You couldn't even go into the sanctuary as a Gentile anyway. So, and that was the reason is because they were uncircumcised. They weren't part of the covenant. So that inner sanctuary that you look at on my desktop all the time, um, only Jews were allowed in there. Jewish men were the only ones allowed in, in the sanctuary where the altar was. All right. Going in front of the Mishkan, in front of the, the temple. All right. So, so, but because of the conversation, because it is bound to come up, People today, there are a lot of, there are some messianic people today who won't allow uncircumcised people to partake of their Passover Seder, which is ridiculous because you can't even keep a Passover Seder today because you're not in Jerusalem. And Messiah is our lamb and Messiah is for the whole world, regardless of whether or not they're part of the Abrahamic covenant in the flesh. All right. Everybody who comes into covenant with Messiah is in covenant with Messiah, but they're not part of the Abrahamic covenant according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that was the conversation we were having last week. Like I said, I've, I've kept myself occupied and I didn't get back to do a little review of where we were exactly, but that was the conversation we began to have last week. Does anybody affirm that? Yeah. That, that is where we were going, that's right. what we were discussing, rather. So I think we talked about the, if I'm remembering right, we came to Galatians and we talked about Acts chapter 13 and 14 and 15, correct? Relating to Galatians, does anybody remember? I know we did uh, cover part of Acts, uh, let me Look at my notes. Let me see. I'm pretty sure it would have been 13, Acts chapter 13 and 14. And I probably yeah. just kind of summarized what they were about. They're about Paul preaching to the Gentiles for the first time. All right. I might be getting it mixed up with 
the immersion study that we did for Shavuot. But um, nonetheless, the Galatian error that we're reading about was handled in Acts chapter 15. All mm-hmm. right. So <clears throat> he's going into detail, perhaps at a later date, but I don't know. I kind of think he probably wrote this in a response to what was going on in Galatia. I mean, after all, it's written to the Galatians, right? And that's who Paul was preaching to in Acts chapters 13 and 14. All right. So if we did not do that, maybe maybe for the sake of review anyway, we'll go back and just show you what I'm talking about. I just want to show you that it's very related to Acts chapter 15. Certain men who had come down from Judah taught the brethren. So this is in Galatia, in the cities in, that you see Pamphylia, I thought we did this. Lystra, Iconium, Antioch, all of those cities are up there near Galatia, right? Some of them are in Galatia. In my opinion, they're probably all were in Galatia, but like I said, the boundaries of Galatia are different on every map you look at. All right. So people came down from Yehuda, the territory of the Jews, Judah, and taught them, unless you are circumcised in accordance with the Torah, you cannot be saved. What it's important to point out is, is that at this point, when they said in accordance with the Torah, most Jewish people meant in accordance with what the rabbis teach about the Torah. All right. So there were two schools of thought, literally, on what to do with circumcised people in Israel before Yeshua showed up. The first one was Hillel. And the second one was Shammai. Those were two very famous rabbis, probably about 50 to 60 years before Yeshua showed up, who were running the Pharisees. They were competing for the rulership of the house of the Pharisees. All right. The Pharisees were a growing denomination, and they had pretty much taken over from the Sadducees. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. The Pharisees did. The Sadducees kept the feast the way we do. The Pharisees did not. So both of them had issues. And Yeshua was there to set the record straight on all of those issues. All right. And Yeshua sets the record straight on the Gentile issue. It's just that people didn't understand it. And it is, a, it is an, uh, an impetus of the flesh to try to link your flesh to your salvation in some way. Everybody has the propensity to do that. That has to be destroyed. That thought process has to be destroyed that somehow your flesh is connected to your salvation because that's what they were trying to do here. Unless you are circumcised in accordance with the Torah, the Torah, what does the Torah say about circumcising? The eighth day when the child is born. Eight days after you're born. So does that boy, that eight-day-old boy make the decision to do that? No. No. Who does it? The parents. Parents. Get more specific. It's for the father. The commands of the father from the to the father for the son. The dad is to circumcise his son on the eighth day to bring him into the covenant of Abraham. Okay, so that's what the Torah says. This is not 
This is Jews going to talk to Gentiles from all of these area, all of these cities up in Galatia and telling them you have to be circumcised or you cannot be saved. Mm -hmm. Are they telling them you have to keep the Torah because it reflects your righteousness? Is that what they're telling them? Yes. The, yeah. The right. Well, it's not. That's a lie. Right. No, that's, that's not what they're telling them. They're telling them you have to keep the Torah to be saved. Well, yeah, okay. And they're getting very specific about it. Circumcised right. to be saved. That's All right. right. Hillel disagreed. This is the house of Shammai. Hillel called the house of Shammai the synagogue of Satan. Does that sound familiar? Revelation. That's right. It's Shammai, Shammai's faction of the Pharisees that way. That's right. So it, the, the, the Pharisees were divided. They were unified about probably 100 years before Yeshua, but about 50, like I said, 50 to 65 years. I don't remember the numbers exactly. Don't hold me to it too much, but a generation before Yeshua got there, Hillel and Shammai were debating and they split. And Yeshua teaches a lot like Hillel. Hillel, I should say, taught a lot of things that Yeshua agreed with. Shammai was very self-righteous, bent on everybody becoming a Jew in order to be saved. He didn't want any Gentiles in the synagogues unless they were circumcised and had become Jewish. All right. So, so you said Shammai called Hillel the synagogue of Satan? No, Hillel called Shammai okay. the synagogue of Satan. All right. <clears throat> so, and Yeshua mentions them. And what does he say about that synagogue of Satan? What does Yeshua say? Anybody remember? Them get away from to go get away from him go away from him well in a manner of speaking yes but something more specific we'll go look at it yeah all right i gotta find it right quick here it is where'd you see it at the top of about seven Wait a minute, I just saw Hasatan. Okay, here we go. Uh, eight. I mean, t nine. Make eight up your mind. It's on nine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> these are the, these things says the first and the last. This is Yeshua talking about himself, which was dead and is alive. I know your works and your suffering and your poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Yehudim, Jews, and are not. Yes, yes, but yes. are of the Beit Knesset of Hasatan, the synagogue of Satan. S putting your stock in your flesh. Thank you. That's the Shammai doctrine, is salvation by circumcision. Salvation by being Jewish. Okay? That's the synagogue of Satan. Incidentally, just so you understand this, Shammai wrote the history after this. Shammai rules the day in Israel. In right. Among Jewish people today. 
They honor and like Hillel, but they don't follow it. In regard to how they treat Gentiles, they follow Shammai. All right? And so they are ruthless towards Gentiles. Ruthless, absolutely. And I, I cut them a little slack because Gentiles have been very ruthless toward them. Christians have been very ruthless toward the Jewish people. So we stand in the middle and try to be the peacemakers. But, you know, it's kind of like shoot the referee. We're just going to fight. You know, I would love to referee the, the, the contention, but they don't want to be referee. Honestly, it's very rare that you find people from either side that really wants to reconcile or, or get along. <laughs> uh-huh. so, so wait a minute. You didn't. So you said what did Yeshua say? You, you didn't get to that part. Fear. fear none I of read you. it to you. Oh, I was right. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. But Acts, what was that? What was that verse in Acts that we were just reading where he did say that? 15 1. 15 1. Yeah, that's where I should have went back to. This is good stuff, man. Because you know what? I'm going to tell you, while you're getting back to that, so many people have been mentioned in the synagogue of Satan. And, you know, sometimes I come up against, you know, black Hebrew Israelites saying, oh, this, this, that, you know, the the Jews today, they're the synagogue of Satan. And and having that, I I can refer them to to this verse. To show them this is this is what he's referring to, and I can show it to him exactly, and then talk about Shemai and Hillel to so that they can know the history of it, as opposed to just face value. Exactly. Yeah, Shemai taught that in order for Gentiles to come into the synagogue, not only did they have to follow the Torah as it was written, but they had to follow the rabbinic law, and they had to take it so far as to be circumcised into full Jewishness according to Jewish law, not God's law, Jewish law, in order to be saved. That was the issue. So people use, they people, Christians throw this at us all the time because they misunderstand the issue. They think that we're keeping the Torah to be saved, and we're not. Even though we say it, we can say it, we can shout it, we can paint it in the sky, they don't hear us. They think that we're keeping the Torah to be saved, and we have never once said that. I have never once said that or even hinted at it. We keep it because we love Yeshua, and we want to reflect righteousness in our lives. The righteousness that he has imparted to us, we want to share with the world and show it to the world, what it means to follow God and to be distinct from this world. That's why we keep the Torah, but they don't hear us. All right. And one of the reasons they don't is because of this age old argument that's been going on since eternity past. So I, I, I've beat myself up over not being able to get the message out there, but it's people's flesh. I have to hear and eyes to see. <laughs> that's right. They, they refuse. What you got, Joe? Well, you added another thing as you were talking, but yeah, you're right. No matter how we say we don't keep Torah to earn salvation we do it because of salvation no matter what we say or how we say it you're right on all points that they're not going to hear it but what i was going to say when i first put my hand up there is mm-hmm. tracy hit on something that i think people just don't realize that you can't just read scripture on the pages and not know the history and the background and the culture and that's what everybody does they don't understand all the 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 underlying stories that were going on about why things are said the way they're said. So yeah. therefore 
they're able to easily twist things because they don't understand what's going on behind the scenes that Bingo. may not come out on the page. Yeah, and that's that's exactly the reason I actually became a historian is because I wanted to study the history of it and I wanted it I wanted a deep dive into the history of it. And so yeah. So um, the, the biblical context, historical context, cultural context, all of it is necessary to fully understand yeah. it. And that's what I'm trying to give you on this argument. There was biblical and cultural context going on that people miss. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and it starts with this sentence right here. Look, that's all they were teaching. Mm -hmm. That's it. It was one tiny little doctrine, and it was causing all this havoc, such that all the Messianic Jews, Jews, mind you, from around the the, the believing community, all through Israel, all over up into Galatia, wherever there were Messianic Jews, and at that point they were they were everywhere almost. You know, it, it had started growing. They came to Jerusalem to settle this issue. And of course, Peter gets up. Wait a minute, before you go down there, just, just the fact that there were no chapters or anything. So this verse goes with the first verse, which you kind of see that it's it's all that he's talking about, the people ahead of him. But when people separate it, they forget everything that's above. Yeah, you know, they, forget, it's all the they forget what was going on up here. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, certain men who had come down from Yehuda taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised in accordance with the Torah, you cannot be saved. These were quite obviously people from the house of Shammai. What do you got, Joe? Well, I was just going to say real quick is that this is really no different than the two house thing you talked about all the time, that people would think that they're special because they think they're from this tribe or that tribe. It's really the same. All flesh. Kind of thing. Yes. It's all flesh. That this, it's the same issue with the black Israelites. It's the same issue with the Brit Am people that think the British are the Jewish people. It's the same issue with, with Jewish people today who think that they're saved because they are Jewish. It's, it's all flesh. It's all me, me, me. I'm special. I'm important to God. He saved me because I. And, and that's the last reason he saves anybody is because of who they are genetically. He's no respect of persons. That's right. All right. Okay. So, and I thought we had read last week that when Yaakov, the brother of Yeshua, settled the issue, he got up and he said, let us send word to them that they abstain from Defilement by sacrifice to idols, fornication, creatures strangled, and for blood. And I think last week I told you how many chapters of the Torah that actually applies to, right? Mm. And so the thing that I'm trying to point out is this issue and the, the book of Galatians are the same issue. Paul just blows it up and goes into detail about it. It was settled just like that in Jerusalem. Peter spoke, James spoke, they made a decision, and it was done. All right. So what's hard to know is, and I'll, I'll have to look, I looked into the timing of it years ago, but I just don't have it fresh on my mind. So I don't want to speak to it. It's hard to know when, you know, how congruent Galatians might be with this chapter according to time. Does everybody understand that statement? Right. Yeah. Okay. So it could be 
the book of Galatians could come behind this by some years and the, and the issue may have resurfaced. Right. It doesn't matter. It's the same, same exact issue. All right. So I think what I showed you last week in Galatians is um, yeah. The good news, which does not exist. People have stirred you up to pervert the good news of Messiah. And he's saying, if anyone declares to you any other good news than what we have declared to you, let him be accursed. So it would be a good exercise if you went and read Acts chapter 13 and 14 at least, because that's what Paul declared in Galatia. All right. Uh, so people don't tend to do that. They, they, they take twisted versions of it. Um, Paul goes on and basically gives everybody his pedigree. He's basically attesting to the fact that he's a PhD in Jewish theology in this next paragraph. And then he says that he spent three years in Arabia unlearning everything his PhD got him, basically. All right. And 14 years later, he went up to Yerushalayim. This could be the Acts 15 episode where Paul went to Jerusalem. Mm. They could be congruent on a timeline. Mm -hmm. My suspicion is it, that it is because mm -hmm. it's the same exact issue. All right. He took, and if you see in Acts chapter 20, Titus is there with him, if I remember right. Somewhere in Acts chapter 20, 21, 22, somewhere along in there. So it might have been the second trip. I don't know. I went up because of Revelation. I declared the gospel to them that I had declared among the Goyim, the nations, and I privately explained to those who were considered leaders. Uh, Titus also, who was with me, being an Aramean, was not compelled to get circumcised. Titus is a Gentile, an Aramean. He's from Aramea. This is the, we got this from the Peshitta text. They changed, I believe it was translated, there is no way, no reason why Titus would be called an Aramean in a, in a translation translated from Greek where it says Greek. That's later translations trying to change the history. Aramea was the greater region of all of Turkey and Syria and Iraq and Iran. That whole big, huge slice of the Mesopotamian region back then was called Aramea, and everybody there spoke Aramaic. Titus was from there. He was an Aramean. He was not compelled to be circumcised. And here's the issue. Because of the false brethren who have come against us to spy on the freedom which we have in Mashiach, with the intention of enslaving us to those false brothers, we did not submit, not even for an hour. And I, that issue is circumcision. He's going to prove that here in a minute. So whether it was the same incident as Acts 15 or a very similar one at a later date, it's the same issue. And you're going to see that. What you got, Joe? Joe? I got a question right there where it says they... Uh, who have come out against us to spy out their freedom, which we have an issue on Mashiach. Can you explain that? Is it, are they saying that they just came to see what the heck are we doing? Because 
I've always read this, to be honest, that we're talking about circumcision. And when it says to come out and spy out the freedom, I was always thinking like, man, these guys are like perverts and stuff. But is it really and truly just that they were trying to figure out what these guys were doing? Like, what are they They teaching? were trying. They were. So there is freedom in Messiah. And so uh, any Jewish person, even today, who comes to Messiah will tell you, oh, what a huge load has been lifted off my back. All right. I have a I have a I've told you all about my friend Judah from Dallas. Met him years ago as a Jewish guy who became a believer in Messiah. And I will never forget him. I asked him, what was it like growing up Jewish and what's the difference now? And he said, he said, it's freedom. He said, and he told me a specific episode. Why he picked this one, I don't know, but probably because I would remember it for, for 25 years, 30 years. But he said, uh, I remember getting up one morning, going to the kitchen, getting me a bowl. It was a Saturday morning. Pour me a bowl of cereal, sitting down in front of the TV watching Bugs Bunny or somebody eating his cereal. And his mom, he said, mom walked in and saw me eating my cereal. And she goes, oh, my gosh, what are you doing? You're eating cereal from a meatball. She's one of these ladies who had different sets of dishes to follow the rabbinic tradition of not eating meat with dairy. And all he was doing was having cereal out of a bowl that she intended to eat stew out of. That was his infraction and she freaked out. And so it, 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 the, the weight of being Jewish is very heavy. And that's what Peter is talking about when, when back in Acts chapter 15, he says, we shouldn't lay on them any burden that we ourselves couldn't carry. No one can be perfect according to the Torah. Nobody can. And nobody can keep all the laws of other men on top of God's laws. Ever. That's that's what I was thinking about. How how there's always this idea of the weight of the Torah. But man, when you brought that up, the weight of man's laws. Yeah. It's 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 and, and the, the microscope of religious people looking at you and making sure you're not breaking the ta- the Torah. And it's never just God's beautiful Torah that they're worried about. It's their additional laws. And so the Jewish people put on, and some of the freedom that you're talking about, Paul explains in this letter. He fussed at Peter. He says, you're about to, you're about to see it. He told, he told Peter, you know, you're a hypocrite. When the Jews are here, you only eat with Jews. But when they're gone, you'll eat with your Gentile friends like you're supposed to, like God told you to. <laughs> but when, you, when the Jewish people come in, you abandon your Gentile friends and you only eat with the Jews because you're Jewish and you don't want to be seen as unrighteous. That was Peter's hypocrisy and Shaul chided him for it in public, in front of everybody. All right. So that's the freedom that he's talking about. We are, Paul is free in his heart and mind and by God himself to go and eat among the Gentiles because he wants to save them. He's not going to violate the Torah to do it, but he's not going to not go into their homes and not go into their markets and not go into their, you know, go in and, and talk with them and, you know, be afraid to touch them, be afraid he's going to be unclean before God if he hangs out with Gentiles. And that's that was the Jewish mindset. So was that issue with Peter before he had the vision, the dream and went to Cornelius? No, it was after. It was it was after that? It too? was after that. Yes. 
Wow. Absolutely. And he said Peter he had a vision, just to prove it. Peter had that vision in Acts chapter 10 and 11. He had the vision. He immediately goes to Cornelius and gets him saved. Mm. Paul wasn't saved yet. When Peter was doing that, Paul was saved. When he mm. was going to eat with the Jews and not with the Gentiles when the Jews showed up in Antioch. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Paul was there and he was saved. So, yeah, it was long after he had his vision. Wow. And that's the point that I'm making is your flesh will make you do things that are contrary to the word of God, especially when it's linked to your identity and your mm. reputation and what other religious people think about you. That's all flesh. Well, Peter is hard headed. That's the reason why Kepha means rock. That's right. That's right. It's all, it's all rooted in pride. That's right. So they wanted to enslave the Messianic Jews. The false, the thing that I want to point out is false brethren. Mm -hmm. False brethren. Yeah. All right. They were pretending to be Messianic. They were Messianic in appearances, but in their hearts. They were still following the synagogue of Satan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Are you with me? Yeah. That, that spirit is running amok in the messianic world today, running absolutely amok. And I've seen too many people leave the way of freedom and righteousness in Messiah and try to attain it by identifying with the Jewish people. Mm -hmm. That is a, that is a, a dangerous thing and it hasn't gone away. It's still there and it's probably worse now than it was way back then. Yeah. All right. Those yep. to those fault brother, false brothers, we do not submit not even for an hour that the truth of Habesorah might remain in you. So Shaul did not submit to them for the sake of the Galatian believers. All right. The gospel was entrusted to Paul for the uncircumcision. It was entrusted to Kepha for circumcision. Mm -hmm. All right. When Kepha and all of them knew the compassion that was given to Paul, they were pillars. They gave to me and Barnaba the right hand of fellowship. In other words, they acknowledged that Paul was one of them. And that Yeshua had actually called him to be the preacher to the Goyim, even though he put Kepha in the among the Gentiles first in Cornelius' house. He called Paul to do the rest of the job. But he had to show, I believe he personally, I believe he had to show Peter first in order to get him past his pride. Are you with me? Yeah. So... Well, it wasn't, wasn't the way that's put that, um, you know, Paul was for the uncircumcised, Peter for the circumcised, meaning that Peter was to bring the Bessera to the Jewish people. Right. So until he had his heart right, he couldn't do that properly. Right. And, but, but, and the point that I'm making is that God made an effort to fix Peter's heart mm -hmm. on that issue 
in Acts chapter 10. But what Paul is about to point out is that Peter still had an issue. All right. So, yeah, the, the truth of the matter was. Peter was sent to, to, to minister to the Jewish people, the, the gospel, and Paul was sent to the Gentiles. But you're going to see that. In, and I believe that God sent Peter to Cornelius for the purpose of getting him past that man-made doctrine. All right. And Paul has to correct him on it still years later. We don't know exactly how many years later, but years later, Paul has to correct Peter. And here it is. When Katha, when Peter came to Antioch, I reproved him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from Yaakov, Yaakov is Yeshua's brother in Jerusalem. Before certain men came from him, Katha ate with the Goyim, which Shammai Pharisees would not do. So some Messianic Jews from Jerusalem sent by James mm -hmm. showed up in Antioch. And after they got there, Peter withdrew and separated himself because he was afraid of them who belonged to the mm -hmm. He was afraid. He was his his pride yeah. wouldn't let him just be who God told him to be. Paul tells us that he spent three years undoing the lessons that he learned. And right. that made me think of the people, my friends in congregation, who tell me that they've spent years undoing what they learned in church. And Paul, Peter, too, had to unlearn everything he had been taught. Peter had to unlearn what he had been taught. He had been, yeah. When you, been, you think you're making progress in that direction, there's backsliding, or, you know, there's still more work to be there's done. There's residue, yeah. There's, there's residue and leaven lying around that you're not aware of, perhaps. I don't think he was backsliding, but I think there were things in his heart that he, had that he wasn't aware of that he had to get out. So, and I believe that's exactly what's going on here. And Paul was the one to confront him about it because he, he confronted him. He reproved him in front of everybody. All right. Because he followed the Jewish. Nowhere in the scriptures does it say that a Jew cannot eat with a Gentile. Nowhere. That was a Jewish custom. That was man-made law. Mark chapter seven, where, where Yeshua reproves the Jewish people, the Pharisees, for their laws replacing God's commandments and making the law into a burden, all right? So, so we see all through the Tanakh where people are traveling through and, and they sit down with whatever ruler or whatever person. And exactly. we know they, even though it wasn't written down yet, we know they know the, the, what the Torah said because it was passed verbally. We know that. Yeah. So we would have known that, no, you can't do that. Yeah, there, there would have been some episode where Jewish people would, would say, no, we can't go in your house or no, you can't come in our house. But never once does that happen. You know, and if it is in there in a tiny episode that I'm not aware of, I'm willing to bet that whoever it was got reproved somehow or was shown to be wrong because there's that is not Bible. God says to, that there is one law for Jew and Gentile who live in Israel. Right. They live as one people. That's what God says about Gentiles and Jews. Right. To live as one people. If they're living among you, live as one people. Don't separate one law. You know, no, no rules for you. And then good for, the for name. me, but not for me. Right. None of that. And in other words, he's saying, take your flesh out of it. Exactly. Exactly. All the other Yodin Jews cast their lot with Peter on the issue 
insomuch that Barnaba was also carried away by their dissimulation. So Barnabas mm. got caught up in it and would not eat with Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Right? But when I saw that they were not following uprightly according to the truth of the good news, I said to Kepha in the presence of them all, if you, being Jews, live after the manner of Aramaeans and not as do the Udim, why do you compel the Goyim who have joined themselves to Judah to live as do the Jews? That's a tricky thing that Paul says there. <laughs> Let's read that again, please. Yeah. <laughs> if you, being Jews, live after the manner of, let's say, Gentiles, Aramaeans, and not as Jews. So when, when the Jewish people were not there, Peter was living as an Aramaean when they were not there. You live after the manner of Greeks, after, after the manner of Gentiles, Aramaeans. Do you see that? Mm-hmm. You're not living as Jews. Why do you compel the Goyim to, who have joined themselves to Judah to live as do the Yodim? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so Peter's behavior was implying to the Gentiles the issue of Acts 15.1. You got to be circumcised to be saved. You're not good enough to eat with the Jews unless you're just like us. Are you with me? Yeah, and then behind the back, when the Jews came, I, I withdraw from you because I don't want to be seen with you because you're going. That's right. It's 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 division. It's separation. It's classism. Mm-hmm. It's it's racism. Quite frankly, they didn't have that word back then, but that's what it is. Yeah. Okay. For if you who are of Jewish nature and not sinners of the Goyim, know that a man is not just, so Peter's supposed to know that no one is justified by the works of the Torah, but by absolute trust in Yeshua. Even we have trusted in Yeshua HaMashiach, the Jewish people have trusted in Yeshua, that we might be justified by absolute trust and not by the works of the Torah. For by the works of the Torah shall no human being be justified. What does justified mean? Made righteous before God, having your sins expiated, having your your past record expunged. That's what justified is. You're not, you don't get that. You don't get right standing with God by your own actions in the Torah. You get right standing with God by trusting only in Yeshua. And that's it. Nothing else. You know what's what? funny? Go ahead. Well, just the... the these terms justify, mm-hmm. you know, justify being being freed from that. And I and I look at uh verse 14, where uh was that 14 or was that uh, it was 12, where it says um he withdrew and separated himself because he was afraid of them who belonged to circumcision. You belong to something. If you belong to something, it's your master. That's right. And if you have a master, you're under bondage. That's right. That, that, that literally paints out the picture of the laws of men being bondage. Yep. That's crazy. Like, you know, never, never seen that before, but, you know, that, that really pops out to me. Yeah, this was the first factionism in the Messianic congregation. So it gives me a little comfort knowing that even the very apostles themselves were dealing with factionism in their day. Humans. They're humans. They're humans. It's Mm going to happen. 
And this is one of the reasons why I teach so very much is because I don't ever want to go through it again. I never wanted to go through it in the first place. You know, I certainly don't want to go through it again where people are divided over flesh, but unfortunately Mm -hmm. people follow their rotten stinking flesh all the time. Yeah. Even Peter did. Right. You know, it's something that guarding against it, you you let down your guard. We let down our guard or like, like Shelly was pointing out, we're not even aware that it's in us. Mm -hmm. Peter wasn't even aware that there was a leaven in him that would separate him from his brothers who were covered in the blood of Messiah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's deep. We, we, we struggle the same struggle is the same today. Nothing different. Same today. And, and, Sadly, today no one wants to do anything about it because <laughs> there's no fear of there's no, no fear, fear of God. That that's that is that's part of the human condition. No matter how hard you work to expel from yourself, from your mind, from your heart, from your body, those things that are not godlike, that are not pleasing to God, and you think you got there. It, that's where you make the mistake. That's the mistake. You never get that. You know, you get there. If, if there's anything, if there's any reason why I rejoice in the affliction of Hasatan on me, it's because I am abundantly aware that I'm nothing in me, you know, justifies me or makes me important to God or, you know, makes me the guy or anything mm-hmm. like that, because I know that it's all on Yeshua. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. anything that I accomplish, anything that I say or do or or any good that I do for anybody else, it's not me accomplishing it because my flesh stinks. Yeah, because you're goober. Huh? I'm a goober. Bolton, I mean, You know, oh, you know what? Who, who, who Bolton? Ken, I need Bolton. I need Bolton Gadol. So right here, when we talk about being justified, because it is being, there's, it's an action that qualifies you to be the righteousness. You know, it's not, those are not the same. Those those don't mean the same thing. They work hand in hand, but they're two different actions. Right. Justification, which gives you righteousness. And Yeshua. The justification comes from the belief and the confession of Yeshua, which then that makes you righteous. Right. So we are justified by our trust. Mm-hmm. Absolute trust in Mashiach. That is what righteousness is. All right. Righteous behavior follows that, but not for the purpose of trying to be saved. Mm-hmm. And there's that message that we, that we can't seem to get across to our believing friends. Is it, Yes, we're changing our behavior, but I'm not doing it to add to my salvation. Not at all. I'm doing it because I believe it's right to do. That's what righteousness is, is doing right behavior. All right. All that bad behavior, unrighteous behavior that I did, Yeshua expiated. And guess what? If I do it again the next day, he's going to expiate it again. He's gracious that way. And I'm going to. I'm going to do something against his law Every single day, probably. Even if I'm not aware that I did it, I'm, I'm probably going to do it. And so it, it is a constant trust in the blood of Messiah to, 
to clean, clean my record before God. However, it, my behavior should reflect that I have received that gift. Right. right. So while we seek to be justified by Mashiach, we ourselves are found sinners. Is therefore our master Yeshua a minister of sin? What profanity? Just because I sin does not mean that Yeshua promotes sin. Just because I make the stupid mistake does not mean that it's okay for me to make that mistake and it doesn't make Yeshua a liar. He is there to minister to me, to wash me clean of that sin, right? Yeah. For through the Torah, I am dead to the Torah that I might live to Elohim. I am executed with Mashiach. Henceforth, it is not I who live, but Mashiach who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by absolute trust in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the compassion of Elohim, for if tzedakah, righteousness, comes by means of the Torah, then Mashiach died in vain. So absolutely not do, do I believe for a minute that anything I do to promote righteousness in my behavior, I'm not, I don't trust in that to save me. I've, I learned that lesson a long time ago as an 11 year old boy. I'm, I'm not, I'm not good enough and I'll never be good enough. Oh, All right. Yeshua justifies me, however, and, and compels me to do it. I am executed with Mashiach through the Torah. I'm dead to the Torah. This is what Shul is talking about. I put to death the misdeeds of my flesh. Remember that one from Romans? Yeah. Yeah. And it, the, the way that I do that is lo tachmod. You shall not covet. The Torah command. Faith, come When I. Faith, come on. Kitty, kitty. When I want in some way that I'm not supposed to want. And I know that I'm wanting in some way that I'm not supposed to want, then the way that I can defeat it is just like Yeshua. When Yeshua was being tempted, what did he do? Quoted the Tanakh, the Torah. He quoted the Torah, specifically the book of Deuteronomy. Mm -hmm. When Yeshua was tempted, and, and people think, that you know, the people that think he was God just think he didn't have any problem with temptation, but they don't realize God can't be tempted. Yeshua was tempted, and it was a fight, a 40-day fight not to become the ruler of the world according to Hasatan, not, you know, how did he defeat it? With the, the Torah. He put to death the idea and mm. any inkling that his human flesh might have had, which I don't believe it had much, but it had to have some, otherwise he couldn't be, he couldn't be our Messiah. Yeah. Right. He wasn't tempted. He, he's not our Messiah. Right. If he didn't face the very same things we face, he's not our Messiah. So he put it to death by speaking the Torah. And that's what we have to do. Lotachmot. Lotignav. Lotignov. I'm not going to steal. Lotignov. You know, I, I'll, I'll give you, a, I'll use myself as an example. It kind of sounds trite, but I'm, I'm, I'm at work. I run out of pencils all the time. I walk by an empty room. There's a common room. It has some pencils in it. I took them. And I'm walking back to my, my room and I'm thinking, these are not my pencils. Lotignov, you will not steal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I turned yeah. right back around and anybody else that would have thought anything of it. Mm-hmm. Had somebody seen me that have probably said, Hey, yeah, good job. You need pencils. You know, I turned myself and walked back around and would put those, put those things back because they weren't mine to take. All right. And, and that to me is dying by the Torah to yes. the, the punishment of the Torah. Is everybody and, with me on that? A hundred percent. And I'm going to tell you something. And I appreciate you, Daniel, when I was telling somebody today, listen, it's 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 a it's enough to get you you give us information where we're like wow you know but then you bring it back home with the application of it because you give us the word you enunciate the word and then you tie it in with the application for us to put it in our lives. Yeshua said, "This word is spirit. My words are spirit, and it is by the word that gives us the power to 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 change to become uh, more like Him." It's, it's, it's not in sayings and cliches and, and, you know, all of the hooping and jumping and, and, you know, it, it's gotta be the word. It's the word that cuts right. both ways coming in and coming out. And when you quote it at thou shalt not still, um, that's the word that transformed you and changed you. Not don't take it to don't, don't take it to the, not, not the sayings because you're like, oh, it, it's, it's just not the sayings. It's the word. So anyway, okay. right. I digress. I mean, Tracy. I digress. <laughs> Not only the big things, but I think those little things like what you described. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, walking out of the store if somebody gave you too much change. or Those little things that you cannot do anymore. <laughs> you right. and not, if you, not if you have a conscience and you allow God right. to guide right. your way. Right. That's right. And, you know, that that's why I'm a little befuddled by people who are a little flippant toward keeping the Sabbath, you know, and I'm not talking about the Christians who, who, who are oblivious to it or have, or who are still under the lies. I'm talking about people that know it and then still don't do it. That befuddles me. I don't get it. You know, you shall rest on the seventh day, just like I rested, (laughs) you know, for one thing, it benefits you to rest. And, you you know, it's an assembly. It benefits you to assemble. Um, and I'm not picking on anybody who took a trip or something. I'm just saying some people are flipping about it, and I don't understand that. Um, <clears throat> so um, I am executed with Mashiach. Henceforth, it is not I who live, but Messiah who lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, in other words, I have to live in this rotten, stinking body that is fighting against me all the time. There's a, there's a place in Romans where, where Paul says, it is not I who sins, but sin living in me. All right, I have to live in this flesh. I have to live in this body of sin. I'm going to break his Torah. I have to, you know, this is the freedom that he's talking about. I can be free of the notion that I'm going to go to hell or I'm going to be unrighteous or I'm not meeting someone else's standard, you know, the standard before God is my declaration of Yeshua. And that's it. And that's where my peace has to come from. And that's, the, that's where my freedom comes from. I don't have to meet your standard. I don't have to measure up to you. You know, I have to measure up to God and, 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 and I have to try. And that's what I expect from, from my fellow believers is to try to put forth the image of Messiah, right? Mm-hmm. But trust 100% for him, for yourself, and for me. 
know? And that's where compassion comes in. That's what he's talking about, the compassion of God. All right? I do not frustrate the compassion of God, for if righteousness come by means from the Torah, then Messiah died in vain. All right, so here's the big deal. Galatians were bewitched. Yes. It's only I want to know from you. Did you receive this haruach, the breath, the power, the spirit through the works of the Torah or through the hearing of ha'emunah, the, the faith? Are you so foolish after having begun with spiritual things to end now with things of the flesh? Have you believed all these things in vain? All of what things? All of the things about being set free from the Torah, dying in Messiah, trusting, being made just in Messiah alone. Have you believed those things in vain? I hope it is not to know that it is to no purpose. Does he therefore who gives you Haruach, the spirit, and works miracles among you, do these things by the works of the Torah or by the hearing and obedience to Amunah? Just as Abraham trusted and it was accounted to him for tzedakah. You must know, therefore, that those who trust in absolute trust are the children of Abraham. So this get, takes us right back to the issue over in Acts chapter 15. All right. Because they were saying, unless you are circumcised, according to the Torah, you cannot be saved. All right. Those Jews, we just found out from Paul, I believe, that they were false believers. All right. All right. False they were Jews. But they were not trusting in absolute trust. They were trusting in mm -hmm. their flesh, mm -hmm. in the act of circumcision to save them. They are not the children of Abraham. That is why Yeshua called them the synagogue of Hasatan. Mm -hmm. Even though they were Jewish, they weren't Jewish. Joe, what you got? Well, I'm, I'm trying to think back if it's been stated or not, but isn't the word circumcision a reference to like a shorthand way of saying you have to um, basically circumcision is complete conversion to Judaism. It's like a shorthand version, just like they would say Moshe is a reference. Absolutely. To I, I, I said that, but I didn't say it. That is what the house of Shammai believed. The, the, the house of Shammai believed that Basically, if you are if you want to be saved, you have to become a Jew. Yes, it was a shorthand way of saying it. To say uh, you must be <clears throat> circumcised to be saved was the doctrine of becoming Jewish to be saved. Yes, and that was the final sign of that conversion. Correct? Circumcision. Yes. Yeah. So if you go through in antiquity, if you went through the conversion process. Then you sat under a rabbi, he taught you the Torah and all the ways, all of their extra laws. And he taught you all those things and he made sure that you understood them all. And you got up and you did you a, uh, you know, a confession or whatever. And I don't know all the details. It's muddy in my mind. It's been 30 years since I looked at it in detail. But at the end of it, yes, was you're circumcised. Yes. That was basically the last step. And then you do a bar mitzvah, if I remember right. I think you have to do the yeah. circumcision first, but then it's kind of finalized in a ceremony. All right. So, but yes, that was the final act of converting to being a Jew. Yes. Okay. Just wanted that clarity. Yeah. Tracy, what you got? Well, of course, you know, you gave me the uh, background with the uh, thing you wrote about the Galatians. Um, I'm just going to suggest anybody on here and anybody who wants to, they need to really 
understand the background of this whole letter and in order to defend it because just by reading it I'm, I'm in my mind I'm hearing it and I can I can hear them saying see it says it right there because it does sound like that when you read it without understanding it sounds exactly like saying don't follow the Torah you don't have to stick be under the Torah it sounds so much like no you don't have to but without the background you'll see that but having that knowledge of the background behind this letter, which is a letter addressing an issue. And if you don't know the whole issue and the whole background of it, you're easily seeing something else. So my, I'm just suggesting that, you know, everybody look at that, that uh, piece that you wrote so they can understand it to defend this because, you know, in people's minds, this is going to be hard to defend if you don't know what you know. Yeah. Galatians is probably Romans three through seven and Galatians are the toughest scriptures to get by someone who is modestly studious. All right, because if they were diligently studious, then they would figure out some of the misinterpretation on their own. Galatians is difficult because of exactly what Peter said. He writes things that are difficult to understand, especially for those who are untrained. Mm-hmm. All right. Paul's words are difficult to understand. Um, if, if God has gifted me naturally with anything, it's understanding what I read and, and being able to dice it down and, and, and you know, make sure that I'm, I can track the context from when I started reading to when I finished reading. A lot of people can't do that, you know, and, and, I, I, and I can remember the wider context of the scriptures while I'm reading as well. Some people just cannot do that. So, and I'm not trying to boast on myself. I believe that there's a reason that God has given that to me. And so part of the context of this book is the culture and that whole issue between Hillel and Shammai. That's a big piece of this puzzle. Yes. And the reason that Paul didn't mention it is because he didn't have to. He was writing to people who were living it. He was writing to people who understood, even the Gentiles understood that there was two houses within the sect of the Pharisees, Hillel and Shammai. They knew these guys, all right? Gamliel, who was Paul's rabbi, was the grandson of Hillel. And so Paul was from the house of Hillel. And so he wouldn't, Yaakov clearly was of the house of Shammai. Mm -hmm. He sent those guys. He probably did not know that they were false at the time. Did you catch that? That he sent them? Or they were from him? Shammai. They were from Yaakov. Yaakov, right. Yeah, we saw that where he sent them, but he Yaakov may have been deceived too, thinking because you know he thinks, yeah, these are these are, are good guys, good believers, blah, 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 whatever. Let's send them on a on a missionary trip and they're over there teaching whatever they wanted to teach and and he had no idea what they were teaching. If I'm not mistaken, I could be mistaken. It's been a long time since I've studied all of this out. But if it seems like I know there are second century doc, documents about James. And they called him James the Just. And his book, a lot of Messianic people and Christians want to throw out of the Bible. Because... 
he teaches people to follow the Torah. And it's undeniable. And so most Baptist people just skip over it. The Catholics throw it in their face all the time because they think, they think that James is talking about papal law, the Pope's laws, when really what James is talking about is God's law and saying, if you don't have works, you don't have faith. All right. So, um, but what, what I'm getting at is I think there's something that I read that implied that Yaakov was of the house of Shemai. All right. He was hard. He was, he's described as being very rigid and very much into the Jewish law. But look, he's the one that settled the issue by the Ruach Kodesh. So if he was of the house of Shammai, when this came to council in Jerusalem, God used him to settle the issue mm -hmm. and find a middle, a, sort of almost a middle ground. But it, it, what the way he settled it was very Hillel in its nature. Mm. Jacob, James, yes, dear. Yaakov, the brother of Yeshua. So uh, let's go on. Just as Avraham trusted Elohim and it was accounted to him. Is that where we were? No, below that. Because Elohim knew in advance that the nations would be declared righteous through absolute trust. He first declared to Avraham, as it is said, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then it is those who trust who are blessed through Avraham, the trusting one. Those who trust. And you notice that he did not specify Jew or Gentile. Mm -hmm. Those who trust are blessed through Avraham. If a Jewish person does not trust in Yeshua, he does not receive the blessing of Avraham. He's always a candidate for it. God hasn't rejected his people. He wants them all to come in, but they have to come through the door. Don't come over the fence. That's illegal immigration. <laughs> come through the door, which is Yeshua the Messiah. All right? Those who rely on the works of the Torah are still under the curse. And that, that puts a chink in the armor for Christians. They can't get past that. If I rely on the works of the Torah, I'm under the curse. They think the Torah is a curse for one thing. Mm -hmm. Curses everyone who does not practice everything which is written in the book of the Torah. The, mm -hmm. the Torah itself is not accursed. It has curses in it for breaking it. Mm -hmm. But Yeshua took that curse into his body. And that's basically what he's saying here. But people... It, who rely on the works of the Torah are still under the curse. So yes, there are messianic people who rely on the works of the Torah and they are bringing a curse on themselves. They may not recognize it, but they are. I agree with, with Christians hundred percent. Problem is I'm not relying on my works to save me. I ain't. I'm just trying to obey God. What you got, Joe? Well, well, a couple of things. So <laughs> come at the, the, the promises of Abraham, right? Here's me. People say, "Oh, we got all, we're we're believers, so we got all the promises Abraham had." And but then they invariably want to turn it into wealth and stuff because we know Abraham was a wealthy man. But they don't look further into saying or or to seeing 
that Abraham obeyed everything that God said. But exactly. then again, the other second part is talking about the curse. They all love to quote Deuteronomy. You'll be yeah. blessed coming in and coming and going. This, yeah. that. But they but they start after the fact, if you do these things, and then they stop before it says, if you do not do these things, you'll be cursed in this, this, and this. And the cursing, the curses part is like at least twice as long as the blessings part. Yep. Yeah, and and that's what that's what they failed to realize is that yes, if you are trying to justify yourself by the Torah and you you mess up in any way, then yeah, you're under the curse. But here's the thing: if you trust in Yeshua and choose to to disobey Him, you're under the curse as well. And Hebrews chapter 6 and Hebrews chapter 10 both say that. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hand of the living God. If you've tasted of the heavenly gift, if you've walked, if you've been immersed, if you have uh, received of the, of the blessed spirit of God, if you've done all of these things and yet you willfully sin, then there is nothing left for you but the fear of judgment and raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Willful sin is... God says to do this, and you choose to do your own thing. That's willful sin. And so that's the curse of the Torah. So it's a fine line. But people who certainly track back and move their trust off of Yeshua and put it on their own works, yes, absolutely, they're under a curse. And I'll shout that to the hilltops with, with, with any believer that is trying to make that argument. I, I'll agree with them. Absolutely. But don't tell me that I'm trying to rely on the Torah to save myself. I'm not. And don't call the Torah a curse. And don't call the Torah a curse. Exactly. And for a second witness to that is the verse where it says there is no more sacrifice for those That's who right. continue to sin willfully. And we know that Messiah is our, our sacrifice for our sin. That's right. No man is justified by the Torah before Elohim is evident. For as it is written, the tzaddik, the righteous one, shall live by absolute trust. All right, so one of the prophets said that. And back to what Joe said, Abraham trusted in God, and it was accredited to him as righteousness. And then God said after the fact of his trust, where he was declared righteous, that Abraham obeyed my statutes, my decrees, and my Torah. All right? So that's the, that's the model, is trust in Yeshua, like Abraham did because he looked forward and saw the resurrection. Trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Yeshua and obey him. Yeshua says the same thing. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. If you love me, you'll do as I instruct you to do. If you love me, over and over and over again. All right? So that's the model. But what's going on here is it's a circumcision issue. Hopefully, hope we're not delving too deep in this. No, this is very needed, I think. Mashiach has redeemed us from the curse in the Torah by becoming accursed for our sakes. For it is written, curse is everyone who hangs on a tree. Messiah hung on a tree. The Bible says that in the New Testament in four different places. He hung on the tree. 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 And here Paul is saying, 
Yeshua <clears throat> took the curse in his body by hanging on the tree for us. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the nations through Yeshua Mashiach, that we might receive the promise. The blessing is not the riches. The blessing is the spirit through absolute trust. That's the blessing, is to be given the very presence of God because yeah. you call on the name of Yeshua. That's the blessing. That's the blessing. Regardless of how much cash he puts in your bank account, that's the blessing. He says, I speak as a man, though it be but a man's covenant, yet if confirmed, no man can reject it or change anything. The promises were made to Abraham and his seed. It doesn't say to your seeds as of many, but to your seed as one, and that is Messiah. So God was telling Abraham about Messiah. I'm going to give you, I'm going to bless the nations through your one seed. And Paul is saying that one seed is Messiah Yeshua. The previous covenant of God is confirmed in Messiah, and it cannot be repudiated. So the covenant of Abraham is confirmed in Messiah. Mm -hmm. For the promise nullified by the Torah, which came 430 years later. For if the inheritance is by the Torah, then it would not be as the fulfillment of promise. But Elohim gave it to Abraham by promise. Mm -hmm. To what is the use of the Torah? Then what is the use of the Torah? It was added because of transgression until the coming of the heir to whom the promise was made. And the Torah was given by messengers by the hand of a mediator. Now, mediator does not represent one alone, but Elohim is one. Is the Torah then against the promises of Elohim? So he's saying faith came by a promise, didn't come through the Torah. That's basically what he just said. It was complicated. It was tricky. It could be used against you, right? Basically, what he said is salvation comes by a promise and not by the works of the Torah, right? Mm -hmm. And then he says is the Torah against the promises of Elohim? Chalilah. Chalilah. What profanity? For if a law had been given which could, could have wrought life, Tzedakah would truly have come as a result of the Torah. But the scripture has... What scripture? Torah. <laughs> has included everything under sin that the promise of the trust of Yeshua HaMashiach might be given to those who trust. But before faith came, before Emunah came, we were guided by the Torah while we were waiting for the faith which was to be revealed. The Torah then was our tutor to bring us to Messiah. Romans 10.4, write that down. Write that down. Romans 10.4. Messiah is the goal at which the Torah aims. And it even says it in the Greek. People just don't want to admit it. They like to say it the way that King James translated it. Christ is the end of the law for those who trust or believe. The end of it. Oh. No. Messiah is the goal at which the Torah aims for those who trust. That's what he's saying here. The promise of faith of Messiah might be given to those who trust. But before faith came, we were guided by the Torah. The Torah was our tutor that we might be justified by absolute trust. We are no longer in need of many tutors, but since Ha'emunah has come, we are no longer in need of many tutors. It doesn't say just one. It says many. And that's because man came along and boogered up how the Torah was being taught. Mm -hmm. 
They miss the fact that God told Abraham, you're justified by faith, by trust. So they said, we have to justify ourselves. We have to keep the law perfectly. And let's do this. Since we know we can't keep it perfectly, let's make other rules. And that'll protect us from breaking the law, the, the, the law of God, the Torah of God. So we'll make up our own law. And they literally call it building a fence around the Torah. I'm talking about our Jewish people in specific. All right. So they literally call it that. I didn't realize that. Yeah, they literally call it building a fence around the Torah. They built a fence around the Torah. They wanted it there. And that's all that rabbinic law is to protect the stupid people from breaking the Torah. That's literally what they think. And they'll tell you, Jewish people will tell you, I've had several different Jewish people tell me, you don't have the authority to teach the scriptures. Only our rabbis can. They, will te they teach us the scriptures. They are the ones who know. Wow. All right. They don't, you know, the rabbis have convinced the Jewish people that no one else has the ability to read the scriptures and understand them, that that belongs to them and them alone. And they've built a fence around the Torah. For those who have been immersed in the name of Mashiach, have been clothed with Mashiach, and here's a big one. There is neither Jew nor Aramean, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Messiah. Holy moly, that's what I beg God for, is that we experience that. that we understand that. And people who identify with the Jews just a little bit more than they will the Gentiles and people who identify with the Gentiles just a little bit more or the people who identify with the black Israel just a little bit more than they will anybody else. All of that is, in a, is a huge violation of that simple sentence. There's no such thing in God's kingdom. Right. No such thing as a black person. No such thing as a white person. No such thing as a Jew. No such thing as a Gentile. None of it. It's all, that is all rotten, stinking flesh that will disappear on Judgment Day. Mm -hmm. Kind of like the Nikodot in the Hebrew. <laughs> kind of like the Nikodot in the Hebrew. Just not there. Just not there. That's right. Extra. <laughs> All right. So if you belong to Mashiach, then you are descendants of Abraham and heirs according. If you belong to Mashiach. And people on the Jewish side of the spectrum will think that we're anti-Semites for saying that. But holy moly, Yeshua is a Jew. Yeah. <laughs> the king of the Jews. All these people who wrote the, the New Testament are Jewish people. Mm -hmm. Paul is the one who said that, 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 that Israel has been cut off. John the Baptist is the one who warned them. The axe is about to be laid to the root of the tree and they're going to be cut off. And mm -hmm. Paul says Israel was cut off for the sake of the Gentiles. And then mm -hmm. God started grafting them back in. And then he started grafting in Gentiles. And guess what? He can graft in his own Jewish people again if he wants to. And he can cut you off, Gentile. So watch it. <laughs> so be careful that your pride doesn't overcome you. But the point being is in order to be a descendant of Abraham, according to the promise, you have to belong to Messiah. So Jewish people who do not belong to Messiah are not authentic Jewish people. They have the customs, they have their traditions, and they're very rich customs and traditions, but they do not have Messiah, and they cannot teach you truth.
Do we want to continue on this track? Might as well. This is this is good. I, I think it's needed. You know, I mean, even though we weren't doing this part, but it's, since we opened the door. Well, I thought there was more stuff on. Yeah, there's more stuff on circumcision. So I guess we just need to plot on because that's really what we're talking about. The issue was, if you remember, in Shemot chapter 12, Exodus 12, God told Israel that all the Gentiles who want to eat Passover with you must be circumcised. That was for temple purposes. That was for ritual purity in the temple. It wasn't about salvation. It was about ritual purity in the temple. All right. So that's why we got on this track. I just want to remind you of that. And hopefully it's a, it's a fruitful diversion. So um, I was talking to Hillel and he was just explaining about, because I was asking the difference between being pure and having to go through the mikvah and all of that, and the woman having, you know, her, her cycle or whatever, can't go into the synagogue. I was like, but that's not the temple. But he said to the Jewish mind, the Orthodox, whatever, he said that where there's a Torah scroll, that's the presence of God, and they've considered that just as sacred as the temple. Well, well that I'm saying that's what they they yeah. that's, that's what they teach. So that's why they, they still have follow that teach, mandate. Yeah. They yeah. have to teach something to justify themselves. They have to because their conscience is weighing them down. They know they're sinners. Right. They know they are, and they have no temple to sacrifice in. And so they had to come up with a system to to, to make it easier to be Jewish and to justify their behavior. And so yeah, they they believe that that's why they call their synagogue temple. Most observant Jews won't say I'm going to synagogue and they'll say I'm going to temple mm. because they don't have a temple. They don't have a holy house where God lives. So they have to say that. And, but we understand that the Ruach, the presence of God is not given by a parchment. It's given by the confession of Yeshua. And yes, that parchment is important and dear and holds the word of God and is holy but his presence is not there unless you confess Yeshua. Sorry. Does that mean that God's not merciful on them? Absolutely not. What it is, is he's given them every chance to open their eyes and see Yeshua. What you got, Joe? Well, I was going to say what Tracy was talking about. That's the same thing that the Catholics do. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> the same thing as the Catholics do, but they use the quote-unquote Eucharist, which they believe to be the body of Christ. And if you drive by a Catholic church, a devout Catholic will make the sign of the cross, which is an upside down cross, by the way, on the body. But they make the sign of the cross as they go in front of that church, as they're driving by on the street to mm -hmm. reverence that holy presence of God, the body of Christ inside that church. The same mm -hmm. kind of thing, what you're saying there, I think, Tracy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. This next chapter, chapter four, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, uh, yeah, it's the tricky one. It's it, it, so it's already been somewhat tricky. Hopefully, we've cleared some of it up. Um, but this one gets really tricky. So I'll try my best to make it more more clear. Uh, where were we? As long as the heir is young, he cannot be distinguished from the servants, though he, though he is the master of them all. 
but he is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by his father. Even so we, he's talking about the Jewish people, when we were young, were subject to the principles of this world. But when the fullness of the time was come, Elohim sent forth his son, who born of a woman, became, Yeshua himself, became subject to the Torah. What would Jesus do? Follow Torah. <laughs> yeah. To redeem, redeem them who were under the Torah, and our Jewish people were under it because they were breaking it. Uh -huh. To be under any law means to be breaking it. Thank you. That's a saying that people don't understand and they apply right. their own definition to it, but that's not what it means. That's right. That we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, Elohim has sent forth Haruach, the spirit of his son, into your hearts, crying, Abba, Avinu, Daddy, our father. From now on, you are not servants, but sons. So he's talking to the Gentiles now. Mm -hmm. You're not servants, you are sons. And if sons, then heirs of Elohim through Yeshua Mashiach. But then when you did not know Elohim, you served those things which were, which from their nature were not God. So he's saying you were pagans. You were serving things that weren't God. But now after you have known Elohim and above all are known of Elohim, you turn again to those weak and poor principles and you wish again to become under their bondage. The Galatians were turning to something other than the word of God. Right. The Torah is not weak and poor principles. They were turning to man-made laws. Mark 7, write that down. Mark 7, this, this whole passage goes right along with Mark 7. The whole book of Galatians does. The poor principles that he's talking about, you still have deserved days, months, times, and years. I'm afraid that perhaps I labored among you in vain. This is, this is why people think that it, Paul is implying that you don't have to keep the Sabbath mm -hmm, right. or the other feasts. But who is he talking to here? Pagans. Pagans. Pagans who still managed to observe their pagan feast days, mm -hmm. which was obviously, they still had a propensity to do that because they encoded it into Catholic law. They changed the Passover, made it Easter. They changed Hanukkah and Sukkot and made it Christmas. And they still observed, don't eat meat on Friday. That is a Roman pagan thing that the Catholic Church adopted. They had days of the week where they wouldn't eat meat. Some no. of them were vegans in their worship. Hmm. Now, right above that, that again, that word again to be, and you wish again to come under their bondage. Remember again, if they weren't pagans, they can't go again under Torah because they were never following. Gentiles Torah. cannot go back to Torah when they never had Torah. That's, That's right. That's key right there. They're going. They're going out from under Torah to mm -hmm. man-made principles. Mm -hmm. He's equating the Jewish propensity to make up laws because I don't know if you guys know this, but you have our Jewish people added holy days to the calendar as well that are not in the Torah. Did you know that? Yeah. Log Bolmer is one of them. Yeah. Um, I think there's like four or five other fast days that they do. And there's even later ones that they've added uh, from modern Israeli history. Um, <clears throat> so those are all man-made principles. 
And Shaul says to them, I'm afraid I have perhaps labored in vain among them. Put yourself in my place, just as once I put myself in your place. You have not offended me at all. You know that I was weak in the flesh when I declared the gospel to you at first. You didn't despise me or reject me on account of my weakness, but you received me as a messenger of Elohim, even as Yeshua HaMashiach. Wow. Where then is the blessedness you had? For I can testify concerning you that if it had been possible, you'd have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. So Shoal obviously mm. had some kind of ailment in his eyeballs. And I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth. These men do not envy you for good. What men? The men who are trying and is still going to bubble out a little more clearly to convince them to be circumcised, to be saved. These false brethren. These false here. brethren. Mm-hmm. They do not envy you for good. They want to dominate you that you might envy them. They want to rule over you. That's usually what these factions are about, is someone wants to be their leader. Mm -hmm. It is good that you should always envy after good things, and not only when I'm present with you, my children, for whom I travail again until Mashiach is formed in you, I wish I could be with you now and change the tone of my voice because I am deeply concerned about you. So Shaul is fussing at him. And he wishes he didn't have to. But hello, you're in trouble. You people are in danger. He chastises them. He loves. He's, yeah, he's, he's trying to scare them. You're going to see here in a minute. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the Torah? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the bondmaid, one by the free woman. But he who was born of the bondmaid was born after the flesh. Who is he talking about there in the Bible? Hagar. Hagar and Ishmael. Ishmael. But he who was born of the free woman was born by promise. Who is he talking about there? Isaac. Isaac. What does it mean by promise? Because God promised through his seed. God said, I'm going to return next year at the Moed, and you will have, Sarah will have born a son, and he's your heir. Mm-hmm. That's the promise. That was faith driven conception. Ooh. Are you with me? Yes. Now, these things are a symbol of two covenants the one from Harsinai giving birth to bondage, which is Hagar. And it's Hagar is Harsinai in Arav and surrenders to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage to her children. Jerusalem was in bondage to Pharisaical law that rejected Yeshua, not the Torah. Yeshua came to set men free, did he not? Yes. Yeshua is what race? Jewish. Jewish. (laughs) And he came to Jerusalem and set them free, but they didn't want it. The majority of the Jewish people rejected him. They are in bondage to their own laws. Mark 7. There's other places. Later in the book of Matthew and Luke, Yeshua excoriates the Pharisees. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. You tie up burdens. And, and put them on other men, and you yourselves cannot carry them. Woe to you, you your, your empty tombs full of dead men's bones. All right? The Yerushalayim, which is above, is free and is the mother of us all, for it is written, 
Make merry, O you barren who bears not. Rejoice and cry, O you who travail not. For the children of the one in disfavor are more new, numerous than the children of the one. Shaul is taking this quote and linking it to the Jewish people who do not believe and those who do believe. The disfavor are more numerous than the children of the one who is favored. There were fewer Messianic Jews back then than there were and still today. Fewer Messianic Jews than there are non-Messianic Jews, disbelieving Jews. Right. Now we, my brethren, are the children of the promise. And who he's so who is that we talking about? Well, those who believe in Messiah. Specifically. Jewish. You're right. That's part of the answer. Jewish believers are the the that, that we, who, who is the we in the sentence grammatically? Who's he talking about? Who's writing it? Paul, the apostles. Who's he writing it to? Galatians. To the Galatians. Are they Jewish or Gentile? They're Gentile. They're Gentile. We, but they've, but they've been Jews and Gentiles who trust right. are children of the promise like Isaac. As was Isaac. Amen. As then, he who was born after the flesh. So he's talking about the Jewish people persecuting those born after Haruah. Paul himself was one who was going around killing Gentiles. Right. The Jewish people were persecuting Messianic Jews and Gentiles back then. They, then they got tricky about it. Let's go convert the Gentiles to our form of Judaism and take them away from their Messiah. They were fake, right? Nevertheless, what did the scripture say? Cast out the bondmaid and her son, for the son of the maidservant shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So then, my brethren, we are not children of the maidservant, but children of the free woman. The children of the maidservant, it has nothing to do with keeping the Torah or not. It has everything to do with trusting or not. The children of the maidservant do not trust. The children of the free woman do. And that's true because Sarah didn't trust God, and so she orchestrated that whole event. So, no, no, no. The maidservant here is Hagar. Right, but but that came from Sarah saying, really, she's like, I yeah, can't, I'm too old, so you take you take Hagar. Yeah, it was a mistake of the flesh. Yeah. Right, but it, was, but it was born out of, it was in a sense, what I'm saying is it was born out of mistrust. It was born out of the will of man. That was Sarah's will that brought that about. Are you with me? Yes, sir. This is born out of the will of God. Right. I want you to have a son named Isaac. <laughs> I want you to have the son that I can give to you. All right, and that's that's the point that I'm making is, Isaac was the result of promise. We are we inherit through trust as a result of the promise that God made to Abraham. And that is Jew and Gentile together. And that's who the people of God are. That You're going to find out that he calls them the Israel of God in about two chapters. All right? So that liberty that we were talking about a while ago, Stand fast in the liberty with which Mashiach has made you free and do not begin as harnessed again under the yoke of servitude. 
you got to keep this in context. The servitude that he's talking about is not the Torah. It's talking about they want to dominate you that you may envy them. All right? Behold, I, Pavlos, tell you that if you get circumcised, and that tells you what the whole issue is. If you get circumcised, and let's put that back in context, just like Joe pointed out, if you're converting to Judaism because you think that that will save you, that that will add to your salvation or secure it for you because men told you that was true, it's of no benefit to you. So being circumcised, this is Gentile people who are being wooed, enticed, bewitched to become Jews in order to be saved. And I will reiterate it here again. I don't believe that, never have believed that, never have tried it, never have thought it. All right? But if you think that way, and that's why you're getting circumcised, Messiah is of no benefit to you. I testify again to every man who gets circumcised that he is under obligation to fulfill the whole Torah. If you are doing it because you think that it will save you, then you better be perfect because that's the only way you're going to make it. That's what he's telling them. And of course, we know nobody can be. <laughs> All right. You have ceased to adhere to Mashiach who seek justification by the Torah. There it is. Who seek justification by the Torah. That means if I can be better at Torah and God will like me more and he'll clean my slate. <laughs> he'll see me as righteous and he'll honor me as righteous. That's what they believe. There are Messianic people who believe that way. That they can get more and more of God's love for them because they're being better people. Justification, clean slate, perfect in the eyes of God. It only comes by trust. Look at what he says. You are fallen from grace. This is what scares people who misunderstand this book. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to fall from grace. I certainly don't want to fall from grace. And when I started looking into the matter of keeping his will, I didn't want to fall from grace. But then I saw that if you read this and just blow through it and read it the same way over and over again, you're never going to draw any different conclusion. Right? We who wait for the hope of righteousness by absolute trust. We, through Harua, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of Tzedakah by absolute trust. For in Mashiach Yeshua, there is no circumcision. Circumcision is nothing. There is no uncircumcision, but absolute trust, which is accomplished by love. And there are people in the Messianic community that need to read this paragraph. You were progressing well. Who confused you? But you should not obey the truth. Your persuasion comes from him who called you a little hummets, a little bit of leaven, leaven's the whole lump. What did Yeshua warn his disciples about leaven? Beware. Beware the leaven of the Pharisees, which is this very issue. I can be good enough to be saved. Damn. Yep, Pharisees. 
I have confidence in you through Adonainu that you will consider no other way, that he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And I, my brethren, if I still declare circumcision, why should I be persecuted? Why? Has the stake ceased to be an offense? I wish those who were troubling you would be expelled. And I think one translation would be, would, would have it cut off, <laughs> but it's, it's expelled. You have been called to liberty. Do not use your liberty for an occasion to the things of the flesh. That's what the doctrine of circumcision is and becoming more Jewish. That's all flesh. But in love, serve one another for the whole Torah is fulfilled in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The word there is male, mm -hmm. which means confirmed. They shall know you by your love one for another, right? As confirming the Torah. If you harm and plunder one another, take heed lest you be consumed by one another. Walk in the Ruach and you'll never submit to the lust of the flesh. All right. That pretty much sums it up. We all know the rest of this, right? I'm going to show you one more thing. If a man thinks himself to be nothing, something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let every man examine his own work, and then may he, be, he glory within himself alone and not among others. Every man shall bear his own burden. Let him who hears Hadavar share his bounty with the one who teaches him. So let me ask you, what Bible, because you could say, let him who hears the Bible share his bounty with the one who teaches him. What Bible was Paul carrying under his arm? Torah. <laughs> exactly because this wasn't a book this this wasn't a book at all this, this was, it was no, well, no Tracy no 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 he was saying <laughs> he was carrying around his letters to the Romans and the Colossians <laughs> but, but the fact that the, these letters have become a, a book but at the time he was writing them they weren't this book that, that they're going to today saying see this word right here no it's that Torah that he had and he referred to Shaul went to Ephesus and taught the scriptures that was early in his ministry in Ephesians or I'm sorry in Acts chapter 19 that was relatively early in his ministry he went to Ephesus and taught them the scriptures for two years every day in the hall of Tyrannus all right Matthew Mark Luke and John had not been written yet and weren't considered scriptures if they had been. They weren't considered scriptures until those men started dying and they thought, oh, these, these are holy men. We got we to gotta bundle these up. Mm -hmm. And the whole canon wasn't put together until 312. I think that people forget that when you, when you, we've right. been talking about this. There were Jewish people, there were Jewish believers, and there were pagans. There were no Christians. That's right. People think of those Jewish believers as, as Christians. Christians. And they, they didn't even, they, you know, they didn't hear the word until late in the game. The word Christiane, and it was an insult. It was a pejorative. Right. And Peter said, wear like a badge of courage. They call in you little Messiah, wear like a badge of courage. That's all it was. It wasn't a religion. And you're right. It didn't exist. 
And this, the books that they studied were Genesis through Malachi, not mm-hmm. Matthew through Revelation. Revelation hadn't been written. Most of the, this is a relatively early letter of Paul. Mm-hmm. All right. So when he says, let him who hears the word share his bounty with the one who teaches, he was talking about Genesis through Deuteronomy. That's what they, Jewish people considered the word. They called the prophets the prophets. When they referred to the word, most of the, most of the weight of it was the Torah. Right. Do not be deceived. Elohim is not mocked. Whatever man sows, so shall he reap. He who sows to the flesh shall reap from the flesh to corruption. He who sows of the Ruach shall reap on eternal life. And the whole issue is quit thinking about Jewish law. Quit so that's not talking about money? <laughs> Where? No, I'm just saying. Yeah. You sow, yeah. you sow, yeah. you, you, what you sow, you know. Is, but go yeah, ahead. Yeah, so yeah, I get <laughs> Let us not be weary of good works, for in due season we shall reap if we think not. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all men. All right. There's one more thing. I got to find it. I'm pretty sure it's in chapter six. Hmm. Let me see. I might be thinking something. Those who desire to boast in the things of the flesh are the ones who compel you to be circumcised. Say that again, Shelly. I'm sorry. I was thinking of something else. I was just reading those who desire to boast in the things of the flesh are the ones who compel you to be circumcised. Mm-hmm. That's 612. That's 612. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that might be what I... Okay, those who desire to boast in the things of the flesh are the ones who compel you to be circumcised. That's right. So the circumcision issue, the Jewish issue, is a thing of the flesh. They do so so as not to suffer persecution for the stake of Mashiach. So they don't want to be seen as one of those messianic people. For not even they who are circumcised obey the Torah, but they want you to be circumcised so that they may boast over your flesh. See, mm-hmm. we got it. Yeah, yeah. I have nothing on which to boast except the staking of Adonai That's the execution. Yeshua was nailed to a stake and nailed to a tree. By whom the world is executed to me, I'm executed to the world. For in Mashiach, this is the verse that I was trying to get to. For in Mashiach, Yeshua Neither circumcision is anything nor uncircumcision, but it is a new creation that counts. And upon those who follow this path, that of the new creation, trusting in Messiah alone, be shalom and mercy. And upon the Israel of Elohim, be shalom and mercy. He is distinguishing God's Israel from man's Israel. Daniel, Israel of Elohim. question that's kind of unformed. Because talking about the issue of circumcision in the Brichadashah and relating to the issue of circumcision in the Torah, it seems to me that it would be different because the, the circumcision in the Torah was God separating his people, taking them out from paganism. And so it was of the flesh, but it was also spiritual yes I, am i say am i do you see my my little kind of 
confused. Yeah, I do. And, and, but the thing is, is that was the, the nature of that covenant was Abraham did it to himself and then turned around and did it to his sons and commanded it to his sons. And so the, the onus of circumcision is on the father. It's about marking your child with your covenant so that you ensure that he grows up in the faith. Right. And so you're looking forward to, and it was a form of consecration and separation from the nations. You're absolutely correct about that. And that's why God said, if you want, if you're a Gentile and you want to come in and be part of Israel, that you have to be circumcised. That was never about salvation. Right. Salvation was always about trust. Right. It was never about salvation. It was about consecration. So we do do things to consecrate ourselves from the rest of the world that our Torah commands. And we don't do them, however, with the hope of saving ourselves. So it's salvation. And, oh, can you clarify? Okay, thank so, you. So, and just as a, a follow-up to that, uh, Shaul circumcised Timothy. And I don't know if I'll be able to find it. I see his name. Um, it might be 21. Uh, let me see. Timothy was half Jew. And if I remember right, his dad was Gentile and his mom was Jewish. His dad did not circumcise him. And I don't see it where I want to see it. So wait a minute, let me find this circumcision of Timothy. It's in Acts chapter 20 something, I think. Maybe it's 17 or 16. Maybe it's 16. I know it was on the heels of the whole Galatian issue. Yeah. He arrived at the city of Durban, Lister. There was a kind of, okay, this is where he finds Timothy. Yeah, so he took him and circumcised him because of the Yehudim were in that region. They all knew that his father was an Adami. So, so in the previous chapter where they were saying, you must be circumcised to be saved. And Paul or James stands up and says, let us not lay any burden on them but this, and gives them about six to ten chapters of the Torah that they have to obey. Gentiles have to obey. And they say they're gonna hear the they're gonna hear the Torah in this in the synagogue on the Sabbath anyway. And that's verse about 20 something in Acts chapter 15. So the issue has been settled. No one has to be circumcised to be saved. And in the very next chapter, Paul turns around and circumcises someone. He doesn't do it to save Timothy, but he does it because of the Jews in that region. He wants to honor the Jewish people. He does the very similar thing in Acts chapter 20. They come to him mm -hmm. and say, uh, hopefully I'm in the right place. Is it 20 or 21? Might be 21. 
Yeah, I think. With the, with the vowel? Yeah. I'm not finding it. Yeah. Wish I could remember exactly where it was off the top of my head. Got to put in your tackle box. I'm telling you, my tackle box is getting full, though. Well, All my lures are knotted up together. <laughs> Can't tell them apart. Shave this head. Okay. It is... X eighteen eighteen. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. No, maybe not. All right, I found it. They said to Pablos, our brother, see how many thousands there are in Yehuda, Judah, Jewish people who are believers, and they are all zealous for the Torah. These are Jewish believers walking in the Torah. Mm -hmm. Do I agree? Yes. Thousands of them, many thousands of them. So not two or three thousand, but ten or fifteen probably. Mm -hmm. They have been informed about you, Paul, that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake the Torah of Moshe, stating that they ought not to circumcise their children. Do you notice that's not on the impetus of a man, but on a child, a father to his child? Right. Yeah. Neither to follow after the customs of the Torah. So the Jewish believers are telling Paul there are people saying that you don't follow the Torah and you're teaching Jews to abandon it. Now, therefore, they have heard that you have come here. Do, therefore, what we tell you. We have four men who have vowed to purify themselves. Take them and go purify yourself with them. In other words, become a Nazarite with them. Pay their expenses that they may shave their heads. That's at the end of the vow. We just learned that last week, I believe it was. Then everyone will know that what has been said against you is a lie. Paul left the Torah. He doesn't keep it anymore. Prove to them it is a lie that you're not a Torah keeper and that you yourself uphold the Torah and obey it. This is a Messianic Jew, Paul, the preacher to the Gentiles, obeying the Torah, taking a vow to prove it in the temple, making a blood sacrifice. Mm-hmm. That Paul, he sure nullified Torah. Yeah. He, he left it and never went back. He forsook the Jewish people. He hated the Jewish people. That's what people teach. They can't read their own Bibles. I don't get it. I don't see, you know, I, I admit that I can sometimes misread a text, but I can't unread what I just read right there. Right? I'll do that. You yourself uphold the Torah and obey it. And of course, all the scriptures prove that he did. It's just like Peter said in 2 Peter 3, 14 through 19. He says a lot of difficult things that are hard to understand. And people who are, who are ignorant twist his words just like they do the rest of scripture. So, go, so finish at 26. Then Pavlos took the man on the next day. He was purified with them and he entered into the Hechal, the temple, informing him how to complete. So he was a rabbi teaching them how to do to finish those days of purification 
until every one of them's gift was offered. That is a lamb, a, a ram that they had to offer, a burnt offering that they had to offer to close out that vow. In the temple of God, blood sacrifice, yes. And going back just before that, not to belabor this any further, Paul himself, I believe it's in the book of Acts here somewhere, uh, I'm horrible uh, where, but I know it's in the book of Acts where he's arrested and, and he addresses the people and says, I, he says himself, I have never intentionally basically broken Torah and I've never taught people not to keep Torah. Like he's, he said it his own self. He said it in front of multiple officials. He said it in yes. front of the high priest. He said it in front of the king of Israel and he said it in front of Caesar himself. Yes. Was that X21? Where we are right now? Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. So that's about all we can do. I know that was a huge diversion. I hope it was, it was good. Oh, it was good. It was good and necessary. And I pray that anybody uh, that hears it can really understand. All right. So next week, mm-hmm. we'll pick up in chapter 13 of Shemot because we just basically closed out 12. Um, we set all of this. Maybe next week we'll pick up and reread this and make some comments on it. But we're gonna we're gonna thrust forward in our Shemot study. But I do feel like that was a, a healthy and timely diversion or rabbit trail. Um, I hope Absolutely. it's beneficial. Absolutely. Anything else? Nope. All right. Thanks for tuning in to listen to this week's Torah study class. In the description, you'll find all the links to our website and social media content. Please make sure you're subscribed to our podcast as we can be found on all major podcast platforms. If you feel compelled to support this ministry, please feel free to do so by donating via the Get the Word Out link in the description. All proceeds go toward growing this platform and the Mikdash Mayat ministry. Until the next time, we pray God blesses you with Shalom in the name of Yahweh Yeshua Mashiach.